0: All right. My wife Ashley, uh, she told me before I came up here, she said, I'll make sure you wipe your head before you go up there, it's a little <laughs> shiny, so now I'm self-conscious. <laughs> so if the reflection off my cranium is a distraction, I apologize ahead of time. <laughs> but as long as you can hear me, that's all that matters. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to read the passage we're going to be in tonight, it's 1 Peter Uh, Chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and then I'll go ahead and pray, and we'll go ahead and get started. So put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who don't believe that stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let us pray. Father, we come before you this evening, Lord, and we give thanks to you, Lord, for Who you are, everything about you, Lord, your character and the attributes, Lord, that you possess and that you would stoop down, Lord, to save lowly, sinful human beings like us and then to deposit your spirit inside of us, sealing us, Lord, for all eternity, promising us an inheritance with your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. We ask you tonight, Lord, that as the word goes out, that you would open our hearts and open our minds, Lord. That you would remove the veil. That by your Spirit, Lord, you will give us discernment. And by your grace, Lord, you will give us the ability to actually live this out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Peter begins this uh, passage, this passage, chapter with a word, and it's the word so, which can also be interpreted as therefore. He says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Now, because this word, this conjunction is used, we must look at the putting away of all these things mentioned here as an effect or a result of what has come before this passage. We must look for the reason or the cause of this putting away. So let's take a look at a few things that Peter has written down in the first chapter that are influencing the first few verses of the second chapter. As we go through the first chapter, we'll see that right away in the opening verses, in the greeting of this letter, with, uh, what Peter does is he refers, refers to these believers in these churches scattered around what is modern-day Turkey. He refers to them as elect exiles, God's chosen exiles, who in God's foreknowing them has sanctified them. He has set them apart by sealing them with the Holy Spirit for the purpose of living lives of faithful obedience to Jesus Christ. Also, we see that he has accomplished this by causing them to be born again. He's taken them from a state of spiritual deadness. He's regenerated them, and he's brought them into spiritual life and right standing with God through the hearing of and the trusting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Also, we see that He's taken a people who previously had no hope for any joy or glory beyond this earthly temporal life. And he's given them a hope, a person, Jesus, who is alive, eternal, and infinite. He's given them a living hope. We also see that Peter says that with this new life and new hope comes a calling. That's the call to be holy. The invitation to live life in a manner that is radically different from the rest of the world. A life that reveres and brings glory to the one who ransomed them from their deadness. Finally, he calls these believers to love each other with the sincerity and earnestness that comes from a heart purified by the gospel. Being a sign of their being born again in Christ. So, therefore, because of all this, because of who he is, because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us and to us, we are to put away these things that previously defined us. We'll see in in chapter 2, verse 1, we put away all malice. Now, malice or maliciousness Uh, can be defined as a disposition uh, of the heart, a mean-spiritedness that sets out to harm and hurt people. And we're all guilty of this, I I myself included. You and I have said things and done things, possibly within this last week, fully aware of the fact that they would bring hurt and pain to others. Grace That's not who we are anymore. That's not the calling that has been placed on our lives. Deceit, the intentional causing of others to believe something, namely something about ourselves, us, that is not true. A thought-out deceiving of others. That's not a characteristic that should define us anymore. Hypocrisy, the denial of What we say or what we believe by the way we live and the way we treat others, we must learn to put that away. Envy, when we see others' success and blessing in their life and become bitter and resentful, beyond just wanting what they have and being grateful and content with what God has given to us, we then desire that no good or no blessing should come to others. And slander, to say negative things about others, often untrue things, with the purpose of breaking others down. It's not what we've been called to do. Through the Apostle Peter, Christ is calling these first century born again believers to put these things away. And so he calls us tonight through this very same letter Grace. If these things if this if these ugh. These things are present in our lives,
1: in our community of faith. We must put these things away. He
0: knows that these things, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, will destroy these churches from within and tarnish their witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are already being attacked and persecuted by those on the outside, the non-believers that surround their community of faith. They cannot afford to allow these things to continue within the church. It's not consistent with the gospel. It's not consistent with their new identity. And it's not consistent with the calling and purpose that has been placed on their lives. And the same is true for us. In 2018, as Grace Baptist Church of Santa Maria... These things, if present in our lives, if present in our community of faith, must be put away. So how do we go about doing this? Well, Peter's going to give us a solution. He says in verse 2, "...like newborn infants long for, crave, desire the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation." if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So here's the good news. If we have trusted in the life, in the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have been born again. We have His Spirit inside of us, and we can say that we have tasted that He is good. And just as a newborn infant is Hardwired to crave, to desire, and to long for that life-giving, growth-enabling milk that comes from its mother, we as the people of God have been born again, filled with His Spirit, and that Spirit causes us to crave and desire and long for that pure spiritual milk that is found only in the living and abiding Word of God. The life-giving gospel call of Jesus Christ that caused the new birth within us is also what we will continually need to eat of and drink of for our growth in salvation. He is good. And we have tasted of His goodness. We have found our satisfaction in Him by the constant Feasting on His goodness and kindness and mercy made available to us in Jesus Christ. Again, I'll say it. He is good and we are satisfied in Him. Amen. Amen. And because we are satisfied in Him, we can put away malice and instead walk in love for each other. Because He has sacrificially loved us, we can sacrificially love others. No reciprocation necessary. We're fully satisfied in him. We can put away deceit and now walk in truth with each other. No longer afraid of what others may think of our flaws or our hang-ups. We can be known fully by others because he knows us fully and he has chosen to love us anyways. We can put away hypocrisy and begin to walk in authenticity, knowing that when we fall short in our attempts to live out our faith, God sees the perfect righteousness of Christ that has been imputed to us. We put away envy, and we learn to celebrate and rejoice in the success and blessing of others, knowing that all we could ever need and require in this life and beyond, is already provided to us and bound up in the resurrected Savior. And when we put away slander and learn to be a people of encouragement and edification, no longer tearing others down, but building them up in Christ, as we'll see here in a moment, Christ is building us up also into something wonderful. So let us continue our journey through this passage, picking it up in verses 4 through 8. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture... So, as we notice here in these verses, Peter begins referring to Jesus as a stone, a living stone, a cornerstone, and a rock. This imagery as Jesus being a stone seems to just pop up out of nowhere. What's Peter doing here? Why does it, this seem not to so easily flow out of the first three verses that we've just read from? Well, if we take a quick look into the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 21, we'll see why Peter has begun to use this language in his description of Jesus. And we'll come to see what he's saying actually flows perfectly with the previous three verses of 1 Peter 2. So, about halfway through Matthew 21, Jesus is in the temple and he's once again confronted by the Jewish, Jewish religious leaders And they're questioning him, trying to get him to say something that would allow them to have him arrested and whatnot. So he does what he normally does. He starts telling parables. And he confronts them with one of these parables, and he tells them that a master of a vineyard who had leased out the vineyard to some... A master had a vineyard, and he leased out this vineyard to some tenants. And when the harvest time came around, the master of the vineyard had sent his servants to the tenants to go and collect the fruit that had been harvested. Well, as the servants that were sent would arrive, the tenants would beat some, they would kill others and stone others. They did this a few times, and finally the master decided to send his son, thinking that they'd show respect for his son and honor his son. Yet that was not the case. They actually planned to kill the son to inquire the inheritance that was coming to him. So they drive him out of the vineyard and kill him. And then after the parable, Jesus quotes from Psalm 118. So in Matthew 21, verse 42, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone?
1: And this was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. So
0: Peter, I believe, in remembering this account and the point that Jesus was making, finds it fit for where he's going here in these next verses to use this language, to use this imagery. See, if we remember the cultural context of the recipients of this letter, they were finding themselves in a very difficult situation. These were mostly converted Gentile Christians who had forsaken the traditions and cultural norms of their ancestors to follow Jesus. In doing so, they were receiving a lot of opposition and rejection from family, friends, and society in general. They were treated as exiles in their own land. If those closest to them weren't urging them and trying to convince them to come back to their Former ignorance, as Peter said in chapter 1, then it was threat of being cut off from them forever. So Peter, in his awareness of the situation, seeing these elect exiles as maligned and rejected people, pulls from this account that we read about in Matthew and uses it to encourage them. He calls Jesus a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. And then he says, you yourselves are like living stones. So grace, we may face rejection as we come to Jesus. We may have family members who, upon their hearing, us, hearing of us being born again, may try to persuade or convince us to come back to our former ignorance. They may mock us, threaten us,
1: or even eventually abandon us. Our culture may despise us. Rest easy, brothers and sisters. If this is so, if this is your experience as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you are in great company. I can remember
0: Jesus saying something along the lines of, if they hate you, it's because they hated me first. You see, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh, Was observed by men and found to be unfit and useless for this world. Jesus was rejected. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was threatened. And Jesus was nailed to a cross and buried in a borrowed tomb.
1: And Jesus resurrected.
0: And if we have believed the gospel, we can take heart. Because we, like living stones, like Jesus, can expect to be rejected by this world. But in Christ, God sees us as chosen and precious and useful. The stone that was seen as unfit for building with is now the cornerstone of which God's holy temple, His church, is built upon. Christ is gathering us, His church from all the ends of the earth, this ragtag group of chosen rejects, and he is building us up into a spiritual house, a dwelling, pa- a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen? We are being ordained as a holy priesthood to serve under the great King and the high priest, Jesus Christ. We are offering up endlessly spiritual sacrifices to Jesus. We are laying down every aspect of our lives in service to Him. Our families, our homes, our jobs, our friendships, our finances, our communities, our free time, our bodies, all seen as gifts from God to be offered back to Him for the grace that has been shown to us. Even the messy
1: parts, the ugly parts, the parts of our spiritual sacrifices that are lacking. Because Through Jesus Christ, they
0: are accepted. His righteousness is what makes our spiritual
1: sacrifices accepted. His sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice, is what what the Lord sees. Yes, even the messy parts of it all. Because they have been made acceptable
0: through the finished work of Jesus. Praise God that because he was rejected, we are accepted. Not on our own merit or righteousness, but on the perfect obedience and righteousness of Christ. Peter goes on to quote a couple of passages from Isaiah and one from Psalms in verses 6 through 8. He says, Here's the tough part. They stumble
1: because they disobey the word as they were destined to. Very simply put, this cornerstone,
0: Jesus, is chosen and precious in God's sight.
1: And how others view this stone will affect their eternity. We know
0: that those who by God's grace looked upon the Savior and seen Him as lovely, as chosen, as precious, and believed will be saved. And they will receive honor and grace and blessing and joy for all eternity in perfect, never-ceasing fellowship with Christ and as a child of the living God. It's the destiny for those who have been elect and chosen before the foundation of the earth as recipients of God's grace. We did nothing to deserve this. Should we have been allowed to continue in our sin, in our rebellion, in our our rejection of Jesus Christ, God would have been perfectly justified to condemn us to an eternity
1: in hell to an eternity of shame. And understand that what
0: separates us as God's children from those who are headed for that destiny, for those who are going to hell, the only thing that separates us from them is an undeserving an unmerited act of grace. All mankind, at one point, is destined
1: for hell. Should not God graciously intervene and save some? There is no one in
0: history, though, Be sure of this. There is no one in history, nor will there ever be anyone in the future who has ever cried out in sincere repentance and faith, Lord, save me! That our Lord has not shown mercy to. That He has not saved. There will not be a single soul in hell who desired to be saved by God
1: that God did not save. He passes over no one who sincerely calls out to Him. If you have not believed, will you believe and call out to Him tonight? Will this cornerstone be a means by which you receive honor? Or will it be the means by which you are put to shame? Will you believe and become one like a living stone that is built
0: upon this cornerstone named Jesus? Or for like many, will this be the stone
1: who on the last day crushes you? This is not an easy passage, but it's in there. And we got to teach it. So let's wrap it up with a look at verses 9 through 10. But, it's a great conjunction
0: after a passage like that. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation
1: Again, we see Peter
0: taking these Israelite distinctives, these titles that were at one time only applicable to the people of Israel, and now applying them to all believers, Gentile and Jew. He refers to them as a chosen race. What an extraordinary privilege! We have, as God's chosen, our ancestry and origins rooted in love and mercy, in the love and mercy of God. Amen? And really, when you think about it, all of mankind can be narrowed down into two races or two categories. Those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. As a side note, that makes it so much easier for me. Because I'm, I'm mixed. I have Swiss, Italian, Hispanic. So when people ask me, what race are you? I just say Jesus. <laughs> so that's cool.
1: <laughs> he calls us now a royal priesthood.
0: We've been adopted into a royal family. We live lives now in service to King Jesus. We are a holy nation. Our identity now as the people of God is that of purity. We've been cleansed of all our unrighteousness. And we are a people of his own possession. Chosen and precious in God's sight. Granted by grace to be with him forever. And he's called us into this new life for a single purpose. So that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you, who called me, who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous
1: light. This is our purpose, Grace. That that is the
0: ultimate reason for our existence as God's chosen. To proclaim
1: His excellencies. To proclaim His goodness. Because He is good,
0: we are to proclaim His goodness. Because He is kind, gracious, and merciful. Because He has accepted us, cleansed us, loved us. Because he has drawn us to him, saved us, adopted us. He has called us chosen, precious, and holy. Because of all this and all that he's done and all that he is, we are to proclaim his excellencies to the world.
1: We exist for the purpose of making much of the one who has called us. All made possible by Jesus. So that all
0: those who believe could receive a new calling, a new identity, and a new purpose that was anchored in the finished work
1: of Jesus Christ. So go and proclaim Him. Let's pray. Father,
0: I know that if I just did an inventory of my heart
1: and what my life looked like over the past week, there are many things I need to put away. Father, by your grace, help us to do this.
0: Remind us who we are in you. First and foremost, remind us who you are, what you've done for us, what you've done in us. Who we are now is a new creation. By your Spirit, Lord, give us this craving, this desire, this longing for your word, for your gospel,
1: for Jesus. When we face persecution or mockery or trials of any sorts, Lord. Help us to remember that we're in good company. Help us to remember of our new
0: identity in Christ. Not how others may see us or even how we may see ourselves, Lord, but how you see us now, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, chosen and precious, Lord.
1: And Lord, for those of us tonight here who maybe we have not believed, Lord. Lord, save us. By your power, Lord, just save us. Intervene, Lord. Draw us to you. Bring us to faith, Lord. Take the veil off our eyes. We need you. We want to be
0: the living stones built upon the cornerstone, Lord. We want to be that spiritual house, that holy nation, that royal priesthood, Lord. We want to receive honor and glory and joy and blessing,
1: Lord, as your people. Lord, do not let us continue into shame. And Lord, for those of us, Lord, who are born again,
0: who have trusted in you, Lord, by your grace, embolden us, give us the courage, help us, Lord, by your spirit to proclaim your excellency so that others may come to know you and to
1: be a living testimony to what you've done in our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.